The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. One of the hosts still administers the Wonderlick. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined on Combine Week. We are on video now. I mean, you see that we're on video, but you've done this podcast before. It didn't used to be video and audio, so it's now video and audio, just FYI. Um, you guys can check out the links on YouTube. Sorry, that's Mike Renner of PFF, who is in Indianapolis at the Combine. Mike, welcome back to the show. I would have put on makeup if I knew it was on video. I, just, I didn't prepare <laughs> for this. You look like you did your hair a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> I did. I tried. I tried. Um, you know, so Mike, before we get started, so... Um, you did me a huge solid, which so I'm getting to Indianapolis on Wednesday. We're doing NFL live there on Thursday and Friday. Um, and I asked you for a list of like the 10 guys who you think are going to have an impactful combine, the ones you want to see at the combine, the ones who are sources of intrigue at the Mm -hmm. combine. You gave me a fantastic list. Some of them were guys I, you know, are obviously, um, planning on digging into anyways, but there were a couple names there. Like I didn't who weren't on my radar, who weren't names we're necessarily going to talk about on NFL Live, but that I'm now extremely excited to talk about. Um, but you've been there, so we're going to get to that. I do want to ask, though, first, you have been there now, what, two days, one day? Uh, like a day. I got here yesterday night. Okay. Okay. That's good. Because I feel like more than like six days is too much. In, in, oh, I lose my voice every it's, single year because it's a grind. It's 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 a grind, but then it's also like... Being at an adult frat party for those who are right. I mean, I I, I don't stay out till like two and three in my normal mm-hmm. Mina Kimes life, but it really is like a lot of socializing, which almost which is like equally draining for people like me. I don't well, know. Well, it goes it goes later than two or three is the wild part. Like, like I've I've sometimes yeah. not myself, but actual one some years myself, <laughs> but like four or five six a.m. You can be at a bar here and they won't close until everyone leaves. Yes. So it's a, it's a wild scene. It's, it truly is. So I guess the socializing has begun. There's the combine part, which is where we talk about prospects. We see prospects. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that most of the day, but there's also the fact that it is literally like a high school reunion sort of with gossip. Yeah. Uh, and there's always rumors and stories flying around. What would you say? outside of you know the actual prospects is is the thing that people are talking about the most there well i think it's the number one overall pick the trade like there's a reason why you're hearing right now mm-hmm. oh what it's going to take there's a lot of interest in the number one overall pick it's because the bears are trying to drive the price up with their talks this week ryan pole is going to be discussing with other gms all week long about what it's going to take to get up there and he basically floated that out into the you know the uh the influencers here, the, the Schefters of the world and said, Hey, you know, draw, drum up that interest. Let it know that it's for sale here. So I think that's the most intriguing aspect of this week so far. Yeah. And it's really, we, we have started to talk about this on NFL live. I talked about it last week with Greg Rosenthal. It's a really fascinating situation for Chicago um, because of so the just surplus of needs on that roster because of you know what their personal evaluation of Justin Fields is and the quarterbacks and all that, um, and then also this draft, whether or not you want to trade beyond pick four or five. Talked about this with Greg last week. You know there there is a consensus view that there's a couple of defensive players who the Bears would very much like to have on their team who will be there at four or five. Probably won't be there at seven or nine. So it's hard to talk about though because without knowing what the actual trade offers would be, you can't really compare. I said on live yesterday, I was like, well, if Carolina offers them the mother load versus Indianapolis, yeah, maybe you miss out on Anderson, Will Anderson and, and Jalen Carter, but you need the mother load if you're Chicago. So it, it's very tricky for them right now. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with like the past pick four sort of tipping point where anyone past pick four is, is the same in your eyes if you're the Chicago Bears. Because if you're past pick four, that means you're, you know, almost 100% chance you're missing out on Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, who are like the two impact blue chip defensive linemen in the draft that they would, you know, if no quarterbacks exist in the draft, they would just go ahead and run the card in at number one overall, like we saw, you know, last year. Um, like, but there are better prospects than anyone we saw in last year's class. And so once you get past that, it's like, yeah. it doesn't really matter if it's pick five, pick seven, pick nine, pick 11, Tennessee Titans. Like it's, 
any of those picks, it doesn't really matter. What you just want is the future first. If you're the Chicago Bears, you just want what could be, you know, what you saw the Broncos, uh, what you saw, um, gosh, who was the other one? The Rams give up, you know, that future first that could turn into a lottery ticket in the future is what I think you're going to be gunning for if you're the Bears. And it's so hard right now to put um, valuations on these potential trades because they don't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's not recent precedent for teams trading up to one from four, which is its own unique thing versus nine or last week I talked about the Trey Lance trade, but again, that was to pick three. It wasn't the first quarterback off yeah. the board. It's just, so I think that obviously you're right that that's going to be the subject of much speculation in Indianapolis. The other thing I did want to touch before we get to these picks is um, Derek Carr is there. <laughs> um, our Diana Rossini reported three teams that he's meeting with the Jets. No surprise, you know, uh, the Saints, no surprise. We knew that the Saints were already in the mix. And then the Panthers, which um, is not a name that we've had. We've yet heard like explicitly linked with Carr. It's not surprising. You know, they're one of the teams that obviously is in the quarterback market. I just want to ask, like throw something out to you. I don't love that for Carolina because (laughs) personally, (laughs) me, I I think that's a team that should draft a quarterback this year, whether, and I think it's a team that should consider trading up for a quarterback. And, you know, Derek Carr to me is not the stopgap solution that like a Jimmy Garoppolo, or if you go further down a Jacoby Brissett would be, Mm -hmm. I we'll see how much money he gets, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy, if you're, let's say you want you draft Anthony Richardson there, which is, we're hearing a little bit of Mm -hmm. some, some of that. That doesn't make sense, right? Like you don't sign Derek Carr to start for your team for one year. So I don't know. What do you think about Carolina and Carr? They're almost, they're in a weird position though, right? Because if you sign Carr, you're the best team in that division. You know, that, that is not a strong yeah. division by any means. Is I think like what they're maybe getting a little wide-eyed by in this, you know, maybe going and drafting their cars because it's not a terrible roster by any means, this Carolina Panthers roster. Like they have some good young talent, some cheap talent that like, you get a Derek Carr in the fold, you sign some free agents that hit, and all of a sudden you're NFC South champs next year. But are you close to a Super Bowl? That's kind of the right. debate there. That's- so it's it's an easy path to a playoff game, but it's also not getting you any closer to really a Lombardi. So that's the trade-off that I think they're going to have to weigh. And why they're probably kicking the tires, but I ultimately think that would be crazy to me if they did sign Derek Carr. Yeah, I, I, I think the... Just don't get blinded by the bad division is how I mm-hmm. feel. I mean, yeah. I, I I like teams that stay competitive and I think that it would immediately, you're right, it would make them the favorite to win the division. But like nobody's would look at that team and think deep playoff run. And I also feel like the way they've gone about things, this offseason, the coaching staff they put in place, the fact that like, I feel like the timeline just aligns with a young quarterback. It's a young ascendant team. I don't know. That's where I'm at with Carolina. The Jets and the Saints both make more sense to me. I'm sure more teams will throw their hats into the ring though. And if you, you know, you, you hire a Frank Reich because you think he can develop a young quarterback, right? Like you're hiring him yes. with the, on the basis that whoever the young guy we bring in, he's going to mold into the guy, you know, quote, unquote. So yeah, Derek Carr just doesn't make sense from that standpoint. Then. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay. Speaking of young quarterbacks. So the first two names you gave me were two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the premise here is like just guys you were intrigued by at the combine in particular. Yes. Um, so we're talking about them with an eye to like things they might show us or not show us at the combine that could affect their draft stock in perception. We should start with the um, presumed number one overall pick at the moment, although it is very early. And that is, of course, Alabama's Bryce Young. Um, Bryce Young is not throwing. No, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I don't think anyone really cares. We all know why he's here and what we're here to see, which is, of course, evidence that the photograph of me and Bryce Young <laughs> that circulated on the internet was terribly misleading. That I am not as tall as him. <laughs> I am five foot seven. I, I'm not trying to make this about me. But the world is going to finally see how tall Bryce Young really is. And perhaps more importantly, you can tell me what you think, how much he weighs. Yeah, I think that's actually the more important thing uh, is the weight. Like the height, he's not big. You know, he's not tall. Like it, what, if it's six foot, yeah. if it's 5'11", if it's 5'10", is there a difference between those? Not in my, not in my eyes. I don't think not in NFL evaluator's eyes. But I do think like the frame and how much can he actually, how much weight can he actually put on is a big thing because – 
Uh, is he going to come here and be in like, no matter what his weight is, you can probably subtract five pounds from him chugging water prior to it. Cause he knows, you know, he, he knows he has to come in with a good weight. So he's going to do whatever he can uh, to show up as heavy as possible, but also like how much can his frame put on at the next level? Or is he going to be like 195 his entire collegiate career, or excuse me, NFL career? Um, because that's just, that's a weight that's probably going to scare teams off. If he comes here and you know, listed at 194 during the season, if he only, again, with all that water weight, gets into the still in the 190s, it's like he, he may just not be able to put it on because it's not like he has any excuse from the high school or college he went to in terms of the strength and conditioning programs there not yeah. being able to put on weight. So he may just be a thin frame dude that you're just going to have to live with. What is the historical precedent for a sub-200-pound quarterback? So the last sub-200-pound quarterback to take a snap in the NFL was Seneca Wallace back in 2012 oh. or 2013, the Green Bay Packers. Right, and obviously lady was, yeah. was not a, you know, he was 5'11". So a very similar size, truthfully. 5'11", 193, I believe he was legend. listed at. So that that's like your last guy to even play at that size. I think historically going back, the, the one that he kind of frame-wise reminds me of that had some success was like a Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon was definitely on like the thinner side, uh, played a little outside the pocket, took some hits and obviously had some nasty injuries and is you know paying the price later on in his life for them. Um, but that's kind of, there's, there's not a lot of historical precedence in terms of like actual yeah. franchise, long-term, highly successful quarterback. So some teams just aren't going to take that risk. Uh, but again, all it takes is one top of the draft. Yeah. I, so I had a chance to kind of dig back into the quarterbacks. I haven't gotten to head and hooker yet, mm -hmm. uh, but um you know, I had already watched a lot of Bryce Young. Obviously, we all have just because yeah. of playing for Alabama. But just watching him, I was just struggling to find flaws other than the size. It's a really like 30,000 foot view. I'm going to do more podcasts, guys, where we actually – I'll do a whole one digging into the first-round quarterbacks and their positives and negatives. So this is pretty top level. But um, I almost – I actually, on, on my rewatch, when I went back into the film, came away more impressed – Maybe it was, I didn't watch him first. I watched him after the other quarterbacks. So I kind of went in the order and he's just so polished relatively um, as a processor, the anticipatory throws, the accuracy, the decision-making. One thing I, I did post about a little bit was, um, and this is pertinent to his size. I actually found his vision over the middle of the field and particularly like the short intermediate middle, which is an area that short quarterbacks sometimes struggle with. Pretty impressive, like in a way that was a little bit more, I would put him closer to Drew Brees than Russell Wilson on the can he see the middle of the field yeah. scale. Um, I mean, I guess that's I'll just kind of pitch that to you. Like, do you did you feel like size concerns? And don't get me wrong. There are there are games where it shows up where interior pressure is a problem. I'll point to LSU being one where there's a few times granted. Oh, my God, that pass rusher on LSU. Holy Harold Perkins? Yes. The, the oh my freshman. God. Sorry. Aside. Did you feel like his size showed up on tape? I I think in certain ways, like, it, and it's more like ways that he had to deal with it. So if you just watch him compared to, yeah. I guess the rest of the quarterbacks in the class, like he'll set deeper in the pocket. He gets to about yeah. nine yards pretty consistently. Whereas NFL quarterbacks, it's seven to eight is like the sweet spot. You don't want to get deeper than that. It's something Kyler Murray does too, just like to give you that better vision, better able to kind of see that, uh, just at a better angle to see it. So does that, you, they're not running a ton of quick game with him where it's like, you know, one step, get the ball out. It's just, you're not going to, he's probably not going to be super effective on those sort of things. So, so it's more like how he worked around it. But I mean, go look in, I'm going to plug the PFF draft guide here, but they have heat maps of where he targeted, you know, most of his passes. And there's a big red in the middle of the field, 10 to 20 yards. He targets yeah. the middle of the field more than the average college quarterback. Like he works that area uh, at a better rate, better in my opinion, than any of the other quarterbacks in this draft class, which is just, again, something you don't say about Russell Wilson, something you don't say about Kyle Murray. is a rarity for a guy that says, but yeah. something like Drew Brees could do. So it's, it's a different, uh, I guess, style that he's playing compared to the, you know, what even Baker Mayfield was like a, a lot of the six footers and under uh, have been. So yeah, like you said, not a lot of flaws in his game. Um, it's more just things you have to work around. But then at that point, 
it's the, the highs are so high. And then the fact that he did it against competition level, he did against against that Georgia yeah. defense last year, he did it against that was the best defense, you know, in probably like 20 years in college football. Yeah. You just have to tip your cap to the guy and say, he's an outlier. The other thing is it's so jarring. So my, you know, my experience watching college football is usually the end of the year, just aside from, you know, playoffs and some of the big games, just like kind of catching up. And every year with, it, it, it was such a jarring experience watching this Alabama offense versus the previous three yeah. years plus because it's like guys just aren't wide open and he's under pressure and it's very disorienting. It's a totally different experience. Those wide receiver, like he is throwing guys open and and those throws of the middle of the field, he is leading them to get yards after the catch. I, it's the level of difficulty was so much higher for him than Mac Jones and Tua, and it's um. I'm sure I'm I'm sure that's something that's going to be factored into consideration as well. Yeah, and like statistically it didn't look the same. It's not gonna ever look the same when you don't have, you know, Jamison Williams, John Metchin, you know, two top fifty picks at wide receiver you lose to. And that, like it, it's just yeah. gonna look different. So but the PFF grade was damn near the same. Like the, the performance level that he's still mm-hmm. played at with that, you know, all the talent going on around him makes you feel really good about it almost makes you feel better about his projection in the NFL having this year still playing at a high level when he doesn't have, you know, a first rounder yeah. at pretty much every position on the football field around him. I wonder if, um, you know, we talk a lot about how offensive coordinators in the NFL have adapted. A lot of stuff's come from college over the last 10 years. They've gotten better at scheming off, designing offenses for mobile quarterbacks. I wonder if they've gotten better um, with height or at, like, I wonder, you know, in the same way mm-hmm. that like now there's more value on a dual threat quarterback. I wonder if, if there's, a more openness to, cause you talked about the fact that they're, they're going to have to, like you have to call a specific offense for this size quarterback. I was mm-hmm. thinking about that. Cause um, I don't know if you saw, there were some interesting comments. I think it was, I don't know if it was Gannon himself who talked about putting Kyler Murray under center more. Did you see that? I I, I did not. It was a kind of a, a, a rare admission from a coach uh, with like a nod to scheme. Kyler Murray's not been under center. There's some advantages with, you know, play action. Obviously mm-hmm. you saw that with Russell Wilson earlier in his career. I wonder if the NFL, I guess, or certain teams are better suited for a Bryce Young than maybe before Russell Wilson entered the league. Well, I think you just look at things, like you said, play action there, just the rates nowadays compared yeah. to previously. And that's obviously uh, kind of a like a whole uh, bunch of concepts off of play action that don't really, that, that move the pocket, that you're not really, the, the height doesn't come nearly as a factor, as much of a factor when you are utilizing play action at a heavy degree. So I do think there's a number of just kind of schematic evolutions as a whole that the NFL has all adopted that have taken away the, you know, seven step drop, got a, you know, one to two to three. That's just, that's not how the quarterback position is played anymore. You don't need that vision that, you know, to be able to see every single thing on the football field to be successful. So the other quarterback you chose is the most polarizing prospect in the draft is, is how he's currently being advertised. That's Anthony Richardson, who is – he will be the most talked about quarterback, I think. Um, let's just start here. At the Combine, he's doing everything, right? Like, what are you excited to see or interested in seeing from Richardson? All of it. I mean, just – now, truthfully, it's not going to change the eval much either way, but I just want to know how freaky this guy is. Because on tape, he looks – I mean, right up there with – any of the top athletes we've seen come out the quarterback position, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's Cam Newton, all the way back to like, yeah. you know, Dante Culpepper's of the world. He, he's in that realm of just pure super free that I just want to see. Like the video came out yesterday of him doing a between the legs dunk and he's like six three. It's like that the guy is and he's two forty. Like the, it doesn't make sense. So he like breaks brains on tape. That's I just want to see like put actual numbers to how insane this dude is. Uh but again, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know all this on tape, but it's just going to be fun to kind of analyze him in the annals of, you know, high-end athletes. Do you think it will – so he's throwing. Do you think it could potentially hurt his draft stock or perceptions or whatever if, you know, on the shorter and intermediate stuff, he looks inaccurate? His footwork still looks a little weird. I don't, I'm not a, a mechanics yeah. expert, so I'm, I'm – like uncomfortable diagnosing exactly what's wrong with his footwork. But sometimes, even to me, mm-hmm. it's clearly insane. Um, I love him as a prospect. And the fact that he, by the way, 
does stuff in spite of that is a testament to, I think, his arm talent, like his ability to mm-hmm. make those off-platform throws. But like if he comes out and does the throws and it looks a little weird and he's like missing guys on slants, like do you think that that could potentially cause some consternation? I don't think it will drop him down any boards because everyone knows that's like all he's working on, right? Like everyone who's watched this tape agrees yeah. that's like the issue. I, it would be crazy to me if whatever quarterback coach he's working with isn't harping that day in, day out. It, you know, so everyone knows that he's in the process of rebuilding that or doing, improving that. So I don't think it's going to be horrible for his draft stock. If he does, I see it more so on the other end that he can jump up for it. He can get to that or near the top spot. If he is, yes, exactly. If he's showing improvement already after a couple months of like true work on just that and really looks better. So if he is erratic, everyone's just Mm -hmm. going to be like, well, that's the guy who saw on tape. It's going to take a while. If he isn't erratic, people are going to be like, "Ooh, okay, this guy's you know different now. Like, this is he can actually be something in the league." So I think that's how I see it. It's like he can raise it, but if he's erratic, everyone's just going to be like, "Yeah, that's the guy." I think um, he's also a guy who could benefit from the interviews. So um, I don't, I'm not really like dialed into this stuff, but uh, Laura Rutledge is very dialed into Florida, covers yeah. the SEC. And was saying on our show that, you know, the, the, the people there really rave about his work ethic and his intelligence and, you know, I mean, he, he's raw, but he's like committed to getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, it, it, I don't know how to, it shows up on tape. Like when I watch him, the er- the errors, or I guess the inconsistent accuracy, and it, 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 but the mistakes sometimes, it doesn't strike me. Like you, you, you see a guy who's like trying to stay in the pocket and step mm-hmm. up and push the ball downfield. Sometimes it's just his accuracy is all over the place, but you can kind of see him like learning to play the position. And I do wonder if maybe being there talking to teams, they'll come away impressed with that effort. And, you know, he's inexperienced. Yeah, but he's trying to get better and is getting better. Yeah, that's that was the biggest thing that, you know, kind of the difference between him and maybe a guy like Malik Willis last year who was billed in a similar way of just like, oh, he's got all the tools, uh, is that Malik Willis... He was out of there. He was out of that pocket. (laughs) Exactly. Malik Willis was like, something went a little wrong. You know, something was a little off. Left tackle's getting worked back a little. It's all on me now. Like, And Richardson would stick with, you know, the offense. He's like, okay, this is going bad. Well, then let me work back to this side uh, and work this side of the field. So I I, I do think you see that, which is like, that's a necessary skill. That's, That's what Josh Allen did still at Wyoming even if he was trying to throw the ball through a barn door every single time he threw it, like he still had that ability that not a lot of guys have. Like it's a rarity. And that's why I think you're seeing so many guys high on Richardson this year. How do you feel about that comp? Cause obviously that's one we're going to hear a lot. We're going to hear it all week. We're going to hear it every yeah. day between now and April. Um, like, do you think it holds up? I don't think it's great for a few reasons. One, I think like Josh Allen didn't actually didn't actually get coached. Like he on tape at Wyoming, like he looks like just a, yeah. he almost looked like a baseball pitcher is how I hearkened it back way back when it was like, he looked like he was just trying to throw the ball hard and to like a point. Like, whereas R- Richardson is already more developed than Josh Allen was, but I think it's a little worrisome then that like the accuracy is kind of still at the same point. So I don't think you're going to see this massive leap in accuracy from Richardson the way you saw from Allen. I think you'd see improvement, but I also think like, he does so many other things well that you don't have to be a pinpoint. Like you don't have to look like Drew Brees to succeed at the quarterback position in the NFL today in terms of accuracy. Like you, you can get by with yeah. some spotty accuracy as long as you are bringing the high end place to the table. And Richardson for sure brings those high end place to the table. He throws, I would say, with more touch downfield than I think that I remember Allen throwing, not just in college, but in his first away, two years away, in the yes. NFL. Um. Some of the just gorgeous, gorgeous throws on tape, and then some where you're like, I don't know what the the plan was there. I don't know what you were doing. Um, he's an exciting player. All right, you you, you put two wide receivers on this list who are mm-hmm. very, very different. Um, let's start with JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. This is intriguing because well, first you can tell me what is he doing. Do we know anything? I don't know yet exactly what he's going to be testing. Yeah. I assume he will be, though. It's either now or pre-draft. Like, he'd be crazy. I don't know if he'd be crazy not to, but it's just like, you got to run. Because everyone's everyone's question is, like, speed with him. Ask anyone, there. that is the worry. Is like, is he fast? Is he not just a slot? Uh, and so, you know, if 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had the hamstring issue that kept him out all last year. But like, yeah, if that persists and you then you don't test either time, it's not only just then the speed aspect that people are going to question. It's like, how bad is his hamstring? <laughs> you know, is he ever going to? If he didn't test either here or at right. the pro day, it's like, is it, was, is it that bad that he can't even was play? Was it serious so. or was it like, eh, Yeah, or is it like, my, I'm a first rounder yeah, already, yeah. hamstring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, is he, do you feel like a no doubt first rounder? Is that the sense? Yeah. Well, like, like I said, if he doesn't test at all, I, I would be surprised yeah. if he was. But he's more of a, he's more of a like, you have to have a slot role in your offense to really even think about drafting him in the first round. So he's mm. going to be like spots are going to be very like landing spot is going to be very important for a guy like Jack Smith. But we're very like necessary when it comes to like actual draft day of who's going to pick him. It's not just like, oh, I need a receiver. Jack Smith, Jigba, slot, put him in. It's like, no, you kind of have to have a plan and a role for him if he isn't going to be or ever be like a vertical threat in your offense, which I'd, I'd be surprised based on his tape at Ohio State if he is like an outside vertical threat. Tyler Lockett type of that kind of size. I just don't see it. So um, he's going to be a slot, but he's so darn good at that, that I think we've seen with success of Cooper Cup, the success of Amon Ross St. Brown, that putting that guy in that role can be very, very beneficial and can be a big dividends for an offense worth a first round pick. He was was an interesting one to watch because there's no like, wow. Like there, there's, there are highlights. Mm -hmm. And you know he's 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 a great route runner. He has such a good knack for finding the soft spot and zone. He can be man. He's got good hands. He's got like he's clearly very smart. Um, he can do everything like mm-hmm. well, but there's not like that wow factor. But he's probably going to put together like he's probably he, like you, I could also totally see him finishing top. 10 or 15 in yards and being mm-hmm. incredibly productive in the NFL and being so useful in a good offense. And that makes him a little bit hard for me to, I guess, project where he should go in the draft. Yeah, he's, he's difficult to like rank amongst the wide receivers because he's just he's different in that regard. Like there's no one play you point to where it's like, Oh, Oh, that was it. That it's was, more like, yeah, it's more like you have to watch 20 of his routes. Know that like on those 20 routes, there was no like, no slip ups, no lackadaisical route running, no like, uh, and you just then you get kind of the the beauty of Jack Smith and Jigba that he's just like as crisp and as polished as you can be for a guy with maybe kind of average physical ability. He's just very reliable. I've seen the St. Brown comp, and mm-hmm. like teams would kill for an Amon Ra St. Brown like that. Most teams would love yeah. that. Um, so that's going to be a fascinating. I think situation is going to be really important there. Um, and like you said, yeah, like it, it just, just haven't seen this guy play a lot of football lately, and seen him run, and we don't know the injury status. So I have to think that's pretty important at, uh, as well. Quentin Johnson is like on the opposite, like literally polar opposites at, at wide receiver. Um, he looks like an avatar out there, like. <laughs> the navi like that literally it, it is a step watching him in the open field with the ball in his hands is shocking yeah. like it is wow so i i guess we should start at the combine i mean he he's got to be one of those guys who everyone is expecting to just blow people away yeah that's it. so jack smith the jig but i think like actually you know his is more i'm highlighting him because i'm like what is he actually going to be he can like improve his stock by testing well which quinn johnston's like this dude better test out the gym or else what did I just watch on tape? Yeah. <laughs> because for six four two fifteen, um, I I've wanted to float Julio Jones's name out there for like comps for yeah, him, but it. like you can't do that exactly. Right. You can't do that. But like just well, watching him on Julio tape, Julio Jones. But if he was wearing like gloves where you like all your fingers are fused <laughs> together, you know, like those like yeah. winter snow gloves. Yeah. I swear to God. I don't know if he can catch. I don't. I don't know. It, he, he does not. He's not. He attacks the ball well in the air, and then that ball just like clangs off his hands. I, I don't know what it is. So maybe his hand size is what we should all be looking for. Does he have like Kenny Pickett's there? I don't know just what it is. <laughs> but it, but it, it, it's not even just the drops, though. It, I, yeah. I hear you about him attacking it, but then sometimes he looks like 
you know how I I I feel I forgot who tweeted this. Someone made a joke about Chase Claypool looks like he's being attacked by the ball every time someone throws it to him. Sometimes Quentin Johnson looks like that too. Like yeah. the ball's coming, he's like, Whoa! like it it I mean he catches it with his body, whatever. I'll just <clears> say what it is what it is. Like and can you take a guy like that? Can you take a wide receiver with bad hands first? He he might be the first wide receiver taken because of his size and his traits. I, I Am I, I being too reason. harsh? Tell me no, if I'm being too harsh. No, I don't think you are. I, I you might be like I usually trend away from those type of guys. Like I think that was Christian Watson last year to a big degree. The, mm. coming to North Coast State where it's just like the hands were a problem. And you kinda of saw it as a rookie, but it's just like, man, he's so freaky that it ended up yeah. uh, obviously it's year one, but like when it was hot, when it was good, it was as high end as it gets. Like he looked nasty when he actually got the ball in his hands in space, whatnot. So I think that's kind of the bucket I'd put Quentin Johnson in, but obviously like, you know, he's two years younger and uh, obviously already more productive, but he's so freaky that I think he's just going to figure it out. Even if it's just like getting some scheme touches ball in his hand, like he is, yeah, he's like oh, Jamar God, Chase yeah. plus three inches and 15 pounds. Uh, just like, that's kind of the way he looks with the ball in his hands. It's, uh, it's a real special athlete. So excited just to see what caliber, like how high end this guy really is. Yeah, that's another one where I think fit is is going to be paramount if he can be eased into an offense that way where it's kind of schemed up for him. Yeah. He's so correct. Like I said, but the, when he gets the ball in his hands, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen so a I, yeah, big receiver he's, he's tough. Like that elusive since you know we started doing this 2014 yes, Green College. The like movement he just, skills. He just makes guys miss at two at six four. That just doesn't happen really. God. There was one play I, I, I saved a bunch of clips because yeah, he, it just—I mean, yes—the the tacklers just slip off of him. It's 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 wild, mm-hmm. and at that size, the the way he moves, it is really hard to comp. But it is—that's well, cool. that's why I wanted to say Julio, just because uh, of the pure physically reminds me of Julio. Now yeah. Julio is a different animal in terms of his ball skills, and and just like is a little bigger, a little stronger, but the ability to like get yeah. off the line of scrimmage, the ability to just like sud- be that sudden at that size is not something you see every day. That's a good point. Um, let's talk about one more offensive player before taking a break. As a running back, for the amongst the running backs, you chose a guy that I would not have watched if not for this, so I'm grateful to you, and that is Keaton Mitchell out of uh, ECU. Um, he is five foot nine and 180 pounds. I, I don't know if that's the latest, so I guess we should start there. <laughs> um I assume he's on your list because is he the guy who people think will be the fastest uh, running backs? He should be amongst there. So him and Devin, Devin A. Chain, the Texan oh, yeah. back, who was like a verified track star at Texan. I think he went like 10-1-8 or something well. in the 100 meter, who's also like 185. They're going to be neck and neck because uh, I think Keaton Mitchell's GPS times were actually faster at ECU than A. Chain's. But obviously, you know, you're splitting hairs when you're getting into the four twos about how fast guys are. But he, on tape, the reason I like brought him up is because usually guys who run four two or low four three like they are straight line, and it's why a lot of those guys fail. It's because that's all they have is just mm. that direction. Yeah. But you watch him on tape, and some of the like the juke moves this guy can pull off yeah. is it's just it's unique. It's unique for a guy with that much speed. So I, I guess I'm just excited more to see like obviously the four is gonna be nuts, but then is his shuttle nuts too? Is his like three cone gonna be nuts too? Mm. And uh, I, and like, how much is he going to weigh? Cause again, 180 pounds looks small, but obviously you know, James Cook at some point was listed at 180 at Georgia and gained, you know, enough weight to go in the second round, uh, for the Bills. So like, can he put on more weight? Does he have the frame too? Cause he's only a true junior coming out, but he's a guy that I'm just excited to hope he goes to a spot that is going to utilize him in some way, shape, or form because he is an athlete, even if it's just, even if it's like moving him to wide receiver and seeing what he can do with the ball in his hands because they're just yeah. a unique and special athlete, in my opinion. So that absolutely, this is his time to shine. Yeah, he, he's another guy who's so slippery when you watch him. And um, part of the reason he, I, he is pretty efficient as a runner is guys just don't get hands on him. Now, when they do get hands on him, uh, it's a different yeah. story, but – um, you know, he's so good at finding daylight and is a, a legitimate threat to house it on any given play. Um, I don't know if he can be like, I, I the NFL projection is a little tricky. I think watching obviously mm-hmm. competition also factors into that as well, but 
I got to think there's a team out there who will look at those traits and maybe think like Tariq Cohen as a floor, yeah. maybe, it, which is a lot of teams could use a Tariq Cohen as a floor type guy. And, and I think there's becoming more of a role or that's become more of a role in offense. Teams yeah. are looking more towards, and I think especially teams that run op- option runs because of just the nature of option runs. Like you're not, the offensive line rarely, like defensive linemen don't penetrate upfield against option runs. That's how you like get exposed. So it's a lot of, you get space to work. You get that head of steam to work with. Um, and so you're seeing like Boston Scots of the world, like play roles in offenses, like really undersized backs that yeah. 10, 15 years ago just would have been out of the NFL by now. So I'm excited to see kind of the genesis. How far does that go? Like how many, how, how many guys in that mold are we going to see over the next handful of years really like make impacts or actually get chances to carry the rock five to 10 times a game. We're not like talking about, but there's so many little tiny wide receivers too, who are so intriguing and so fast and so elusive. And, you know, I mean like a guy, I love tank Dell, but I watch him and I don't know, man, like it's so it's, it's, it's a new world. It's, it's a new league in a lot of ways. Rules are changing. Football's mm-hmm. changing. I think that's, that's a little bit of a theme here, yeah. but then you, you start entering historical territory and you start to worry a little bit. Yeah. It seems like every year now it's like, we are getting the smallest at a number of positions. <laughs> and I don't think it's like, I don't think that's just a coincidence. You know, I think that's the trend. Yeah. That's the way college is going and kind of the NFL has been lagging behind to the degree. And that's, going to be the way NFL is going to start to go. Love it. Small people representation. All right, let's take a quick break, come back and talk about mostly defense, but some other guys too. Building the perfect same game parlay can be time consuming, but with quick picks, the Caesar Sportsbook app does the work for you. Quick picks are pre-built same game parlays that turn today's biggest headlines, storylines, and games into bets. They're quick and easy to use and you can't miss them. They're right on the home screen of your Caesar Sportsbook app. Give them a try. And if you haven't downloaded the app yet, register using code Omaha full and then place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, You'll get your stake up to $1,250 back as a bet credit. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay. This is so Keaton Mitchell's a guy you got me to watch. Another guy that I watched because of you, maybe I would have gotten to later, but not not this week, is Kalaja Gansi out of pit. I love him. I enjoyed watching him so much. Um, I also well, this is I should have we should have kept this in the last segment because he is a defensive tackle. He is six feet tall and about 280 pounds. Is that where this starts for you? Yes. I mean, the weight, weight, size, height, length is kind of obviously like that's probably even more important than how he tests because like on tape, he's the quickest defensive tackle I've seen since Aaron Donald. And truthfully, this is going to sound blasphemous to say, but like I think he's quicker than Aaron Donald. I, I truly do think he has more like lateral agility, a little more burst, but, but he's also smaller. Like Donald coming out of pit was – yeah, he's like just a shade over six foot, but he has long arms for a guy that size and still is like strong, well built. Cansey looks, I mean, he could almost pass. Like I told you, he passed for a linebacker. The guy is thin framed. I don't think he's ever putting on more weight, but the athlete that that guy is, is incredible. 
to watch. Like he's just so difficult to square up and his size almost helps him in that regard because there's no strike zone. There's nowhere to get him. Like you almost have to double team that guy. No one gets him cleanly because of that. We are not comparing him to Aaron Donald. This is not an Aaron (laughs) Donald comp. However, maybe it's the pit you need. I don't know. But when you watch him because of the natural leverage advantage he has because of his size, he is a nightmare to stop as a pass rusher. We'll talk about the other aspects of the game yeah. in a second. Yeah. But as a pass rusher, he's pretty freaking advanced, dude. Like, I, I, you know, I was watching all the pass rushers together, and there's a lot of guys where you're like, all right, he just needs to, he needs to like, develop moves. He's got to put it together. And then you watch this kid, Cansey, and he is, I mean, he's got the moves. He's got the counters. He's got the effort. He's got both speed and power. And like, he just gets after the quarterback. I don't, like, like it, it really, it really feels like it's not like the Bryce thing, but like outside of the size, he really is such a good football player. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned his moves because that that to me is like the biggest thing here. It's like the athlete. Like, there's a lot. There's been a lot of like undersized high end athletes. Like Ed Oliver comes to mind as well. That like he is the most advanced pass rusher in this draft class, regardless of position, in my opinion. Like he has, yes, Kansi is like yeah. he, even more so than Jalen Carter, more so than Will Anderson. Like he's got uh, an NFL ready set of pass rushing moves that he's very good with. I mean, he's the yeah. highest pass rushing DT in the country last year, according to our PFF grade. Really? So um, yeah. Huh. So like, there is, there's a, there's a lot to like, but, but six foot two eighty is outlier yeah. among outliers. And again, I don't think he's getting much bigger than that. Six foot two eighty, and he's not getting to two ninety. <laughs> you know, like that's a, that's a cap frame. But I and still he's probably think I still he's probably too small to be like a four three end at that size, right? Yeah. So you'd you'd need I, him. I, I floated the James Harrison comp, <laughs> out, or just like the James Harrison ish role maybe for him of that tiny edge rusher that yeah. is just. It'd be difficult to block at that size. It may be like Brandon Graham mold, guys of that nature. I'd be curious to like see some reps of him doing that. Obviously, he didn't do that at Pitt though. So, uh, but it's a, it's a possibility. Like if 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 it inside interior fails, I would I think he still has that in his arsenal. I do think you know in a four three at a three if he's just given the opportunity to shoot the gap, like because of everything we've been talking about the the size and the moves and yeah. maybe not every down at first, but he's just so impactful as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. This was one of my favorite watches, honestly, because I, I knew nothing about him, turned yeah. it on and I see him try like eight different moves in the, like, <laughs> you know, like in a single series and it's, and, and they're working and he's in it. And it's, yeah. it's so cool. Um, I, we should acknowledge that. I, I think he, also, however, runs the risk of just absolutely getting bullied at the point of attack in the run game at the next level. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Kind of a lot of the same things we said about Young, where it's like you have to protect him in a way, yeah. you know, because of that size. Same thing with Cansey. Like, you, you can't just say, hey, when you get, you know, you're, so you're three tech, you're between the guard and the tackle, and like you get double teams. You can't just try to drop anchor. You have to like give him the freedom to get around that double team, you know, not take on, like not yeah. let either guy, both guys engage on him. Like you have, you have to afford him that because or else there's just no chance it's going to end well for him in the NFL. So you need to, but yeah. I'll take that chance. Yeah. Maybe that's another one where again, it's like destination. Who's he playing next to? Is he playing next to a real space here? You know, that who can free him up to do stuff. Um, just a very fun and special player that, yeah, I'm excited I'm excited to 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 watch as well. Uh the other defensive lineman you had was Miles Murphy uh out of Clemson, who I had watched some and I watched a little bit more of. Where where is he currently before we dig into why you're excited about the combine, where is he currently being like mocked? Like mid first. Mid first, okay. Mid first. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? That's that's where I have him too, and it's yeah. truly because of what's going to happen here. And like, yeah. like he is the he is the edge guy who's going to come here, and you know I've comped him to Rashawn Gary, who you know, Rashawn Gary at tape mm. in Michigan. You didn't notice him. You noticed Chase Winovich more in more Michigan games than you did Rashawn Gary, but he was six five, two seventy five with you know, thirty five inch arms and ran a four six. 
that's going to be Miles Murphy. Like you didn't, yeah. you could watch a whole Clemson game, and I watched him play Notre Dame and do zilch <laughs> against them. That and, was one of my watches. Yeah, yeah, and like, and that's a good offense tackle. That's an NFL caliber offense tackle, and Joe Alt that he was going against, and he shut him down completely. But it's like you're banking on what he can do with the coaching that you know, my D line coach, my coach, and whatever. And three years of that. And because when you are that size, as we've seen with Sean Gary, Sean Gary's got like one pass rushing. He goes to a bull rush and then a rip move. And it's like, because he's 6'5", 275, it works. But so when you're that size, when you're that freaky, you don't need Miles Murphy to do too much at the NFL level, still make an impact. So I think is, it, is yeah. the big thing for him here is, is it going to be like, is he high four fives guy at that size? Or is he like a four seven five guy at that size, which is a big difference. And big difference in your ability to actually bull rush NFL caliber OTs. Gary's a good comp because I was watching him. I was thinking um, he leans on the long arm a lot. He, like you yeah. said, he's got a great length. And that does remind me a little bit of Gary in college. It really feels like if you combined Miles Murphy and Kalijah Cansey, you would make the perfect football player. Oh. Um, because Hall of Famer. It, I mean, it's that's, literally that's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It literally is. The, everything we just said about Cansey, you can literally just flip on his his head and talk about this guy Um, doesn't have a lot in terms of hands moves uh, very good against the run, very physical plays with great effort sets the edge. That'll probably give him a floor. I think coming into the NFL, the fact that he can do that. Um, And he, you know, he is explosive. He's agile. The the athleticism leaps off the screen, but I just he just hasn't shown that he can consistently get after the quarterback in the way you'd want for a first round edge rusher. I think the one, if there is like something in his favor that this might sound dumb, there might not be anything, but like Brian Brzee was mm. the number one overall recruit. His teammate DT was the number one overall recruit. He didn't develop any pass rushing moves at Clemson. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> in the same boat. Yeah, We're after three years. They're the same yeah. class. Three years, neither of them have done anything. It's like maybe it's the D line coach there. You know, like maybe it's. <laughs> This ain't the well, same D line coach that was, you know, Cleveland Furl. Let me ask you Christian this, Wilkins. actually. Um, we're coming off of draft where Javon Walker out of Georgia was, yep. you know, put together an incredible combine. Another guy who the production wasn't really there in college. The athleticism was there. It was a surprise at the time, but as, you know, things went on, it became unsurprising, I guess, he, that he was the first overall pick. Do you think there might be a trend towards – Teams thinking, I can fix him. You know, the um, we can develop this guy. I mean, I guess that would be more like Tyree Wilson would probably be the more guy you'd talk about there. Yeah. But do you think a guy like Miles Murphy could also fall into that category? I think he does. Now, I think last year, I wouldn't, I guess, overreact to one Trayvon Walker because I think that was more of a product of like who was drafting them one overall. Like, I don't think a GM other than Trent Baalke pulls that trigger there. Like, I, I, I think he was the only one who was going to draft Trayvon Walker number one. Like anyone else, like he's the eighth, ninth, tenth overall pick, in my opinion. Um, so I think that was kind of a unique situation. But I do think with the like you, you'll see teams willing to take that chance at that position just because of the payoff uh, of what you know Overshawn Gary's turned into uh, is, is such so high end when you have those kind of trades that someone like teams are going to buy into those fairly consistently. Okay, so your next one is like the craziest one to me because I didn't watch him. I watched some Wisconsin. Did you know I was going to go here with this? Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I watched some Wisconsin defense just for other purposes versus you know some offenses I was watching, but I didn't really have a chance to like zero in on this guy. Um, Nick Herbig, Wisconsin. Let me start here. What position does he play? Off-ball linebacker. And I think – okay. I like. Is, I, I don't think there's any question. I think he's off ball linebacker. Okay. Even though he not played he, not yeah. At Jet Wisconsin. Okay. Now we give it. Give the history. Yeah. Sorry, I should. I okay. should have started there. So he's six two two twenty eight is what he's listed at Wisconsin. So he's not. He's just not a size that even if he gained like twenty pounds, I don't think he's staying on the edge just because the height yeah. length not quite there. But the movement skills and the pass rushing moves, like he was beating offensive tackles one on one at that size. Fairly consistently, and not just like, not not like a pure athlete beating him one on one. Like he has real pass rushing moves, real coordination that you see consistently. And I think he had a top five pass rushing grade each of the last two seasons in college football. Um, and then at that size, being undersized, um, 
But the thing that really sold me was him in coverage. Like only like fifty or something snaps, but he moves better in terms of like processing route concepts and knowing when to where to fall off into zone coverage hmm. than a guy like Trenton Simpson from Clemson who has been a linebacker his whole life. Like he's been an off ball linebacker his whole life. Hmm. Like and he had more pass breakups on those fifty coverage snaps, three pass breakups on 50 coverage snaps than Trent Simpson has whole career. So like th- th- he's a guy that's very smooth. I, and why I said a guy I really want to see tests here because on tape, yeah. I think he's maybe low four, six, high four, five, and like really good, going to have a really good three cone. And just like, I see a high end athlete, I see a good athlete. And that's the case. That's what, you know, that's what the top guys of the NFL look like is, is those sort of testing numbers. So obviously super raw, but the college game to the NFL game is such a big jump that maybe it's just more that he hasn't learned bad habits of, of the linebacker position. So obviously Wisconsin's had a few of these guys over the years, whether it's Joe Schobert, who I think you'd call a hit as the outside linebacker to off ball transition uh, and Zach Bond, who you'd probably call a miss, but Bond was a little bigger um, and kind of much, didn't much less in coverage than even Schobert or Bond did, or excuse me, or Herbig did in college. Yeah. But it's a it's a weird transition, but I'm I'm unreasonably high on this guy off of you know those fifty coverage snaps I saw. Chanel always played off the ball, right? Leo Chanel, he always. Oh yes, yeah, he was always, always off, off ball, ball yeah. and so was Edwards always off ball. Wisconsin has been like linebacker used really there, seriously, yeah, man. Those guys, yeah, Wisconsin, wow. Um, Leo Chanel, Super Bowl hero. Um, this is not a good linebacker group, huh? Sorry, I just um, one of the worst. I haven't like one of the super worst dug into it, but yeah, yeah, it's not jumping out right now. <laughs> I, th- I think I have him linebacker three, and he's like, wow, a, and he's not even played linebacker. <laughs> but that's but that's kind of just the but nature yeah, of how bad he like how this. Yeah, this makes sense though class. for like a, a good team mid draft. Obviously, he's gonna be a special teamer at first. He'll contribute there. Yeah, you can see it. Um, but, but I do okay. think yeah. to come out in today's day and age as a junior, like you, he probably got some sort of good eval from the committee to like come out. So he's, he's not just a pure project like this six rounder. Like he may yeah. go a little bit higher than that just because hmm. you'd be silly into the, with the NIL money that you get in college to go out early if you're, especially with a guy like him who's a tweener already. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, let's transition to talking to one of my favorite guys in the draft, Mike Mayer. Is he only got by Michael? Oh, yeah. I don't know. yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael. Tight end, Notre Dame, tight end class, about as opposite from the linebacker class as you can get, the much ballyhooed tight end class. I love so many of them. Um, I still think he's tight end one. I, I've seen a lot of drafts that don't have him there, which has kind of been interesting. Um I mean, that's a whole other subject. I, so I get, let's start here. I, I suspect you have him here because the only real question mark is how fast he is. Yes. That's, I mean, it's been the question since, you know, his freshman year, sophomore year. What's he going to run? Like, what is he? is he? Because, and I say that and why it's so important is because just look at the tight end landscape in the NFL. Who are the guys who go for over a thousand yards? They run low four, six or faster. Every single one, you know, without fail, it is a position that to produce, you know, with stats that look like a wide receiver, you better run and move like a wide receiver. So, um, is he, is he that on tape? I didn't think he was, but he was also 265 
you know, on say like he's he's in the Rob Gronkowski realm of size for the tight end position. So it, can he trim down to two fifty five and maybe have has that in him still? So I guess I'm just excited to see hmm. where he comes in athletically because just on tape he's like as complete a tight end prospect as I've scouted. And for saying that about true juniors, wild because a lot of times tight ends are seniors or redshirt seniors coming out just by nature of the position. So yeah, he, he's he's about as safe a pick as you'll see in this draft. He's not fast, and he is the Gronk thing is kind of funny because there are I mean the, the baby Gronk is what they called him in college and. He has that kind of same like tin man quality sometimes where it looks a little bit like he needs to be oiled, you know, Um, (laughs) but it doesn't really matter on tape. Um, When I, I'd watched him a lot, you know, over the years because he's played so long. And I guess when I was rewatching him, I came away with, I didn't have my mind changed because I already liked him, but I felt like he was a better receiver a complete receiver than perhaps, I don't know, maybe he's giving given credit for, I don't really know what the perception is at the moment, but I was like, damn, like he could run all the routes. He's shifty at the line. Like his releases are really nice. Um, he's uh, the hands are, we all know the hands are great and the physicality, but I actually came away more impressed with him as a route runner than, I don't know, maybe yeah. I thought, or people think. Yeah, I, the comp for him, he's got one of my favorite comps like that I have in the entire draft is Jason Witten. And just in terms of like, gets it. Like he gets route running, how to yeah. create separation. And he's almost like better when he's like, when he's able to go be neck and neck with a guy at the top of his route. Yeah. Because then he just like leans his shoulder and you're done. But it's he over, just yeah. kind of gets it. And there's, yeah, exactly. Like there's the play against USC, the one catch that hopefully, probably everyone's seen by now, but where he like turns his body to hit the defender with his body and then catch it in midair. That's just like, you can't coach a guy to do things like that. Like the things that are difficult to really drill in to a receiver, like, Hey, do these things. He does already. So I think that's why it's just, maybe we're overthinking a little questioning his speed when everything else is all there. I mean, he's just going to live in the seams. And if the ball is thrown, then like, you know, gigantic radius of him it's he's catching it and then he's probably picking up two yards after the catch that's how i feel like it's it's just um it's funny because yeah like you you talked about him being a short like or you know as close as it gets to like a a sure thing tight end is a position people know usually you don't immediately produce at the nfl level but like man it's hard to not imagine him coming in and you know, I guess it depends a little bit on the offense, but just being immediately productive because he is such a complete player. Um, they used him so many different ways. He was the focal point of defenses and it didn't matter. And I guess I'll, I'll be curious to see what the 40 time is to your point, because that does seem to be the one thing that could potentially bring him down a little bit. But if it's anywhere close to normal, this feels like a no brainer to me. Yeah. Plus he looks like, a character or a creative player from NCAA 14. Like he's got like the perfect, like fake face almost like. Yeah. His headshot, when you see it, you're like, Oh, that, yeah, it really does look like a, like a computer generated football player. player. It's great. Yeah, Yeah. no, he's great. He's one of the, he's my favorite player to like give teams like green Bay or Tennessee or whatever, you know, just like, it's so Mm -hmm. easy to imagine him on good and good offenses being like that piece that they need. Uh, I will say, man, I do. I have. This is another one where it was like the watch. I have fallen in love with Dalton Kincaid. Like it seems like all of draft Twitter at the same time like erupted, mm-hmm. and we're like, we're, we're like, oh my god! I mean, I, this guy. I'd, I'd see the USC game, but just digging into it, holy shit, that guy's good. So, and that I mean, what are you hearing uh, before we get to the last player? Like I, he. So we're not going to get into a full blown discussion, but he's very. He's not. He's injured, which is. A big deal and he's small mm-hmm. for a tight end what what are you hearing around him right now uh, i think people are well i guess like small matters for blocking purposes it's like the main <laughs> obviously concern and on tape he like he gets after i mean he's never going to look like michael mayer because he's 20 pounds lighter but he gets after to where it's all about just like having defenses respect the threat and, and i think he's blocks well enough to respect the threat 
And then after that point, it's like, this dude's a wide receiver. <laughs> he's, yeah, if you just put him at the truly. wide receivers, compared him to them, he's right there in that mix. And that's what it, like, that's usually what it should take to go that highly. Because kind of what I've just said is like, yeah. to produce, you better look like a wide receiver. And yeah, Don Kincaid, the ball skills, the route running, like the athleticism, he just, he just looks like a receiver plus 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah, Washington, Darnell Washington out of Georgia will be the interesting one at the combine because there's all those whispers of him, how fast he's going to run. He is uh, gigantic. Yeah. He does not look like a wide receiver, however. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> looks like an OT. Looks like a left. He half. really does. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good transition to our final guy who, uh, is okay. Maybe going to be the tallest. I mean, what, what, what's the, the history right now? Give me the context for our friend from He's Ohio He's going to have the biggest, biggest wingspan in the history of the combine. I'm pretty sure. He's going to. So, we, so at the senior I didn't bowl, say his name. Sorry. Eight. It's Dewan, Dewan oh. right? Dewan Jones is how you say Dewan his name? Jones. Dewan yes. Jones at Ohio State. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the right tackle for Ohio State. He's going to – he had over 89-inch wingspan, so seven foot five inch wingspan. He had 11 and I believe a half inch hands, which I think was going to tie the record for largest hands. I think 36 and like three eighths inch arms, 375 pounds, six foot nine. Um, and the dude like blocks, <laughs> the dude knows how to play tackle. And I, now he might test like Orlando Brown did. <laughs> like, I don't, wow. It's just hard at that size. Like it's a different, you're kind of playing a different game, but he uses his hands really well. Um, he's one of my, sometimes I, so at PFF, we have the ability to like only watch the guy's highest grade of plays. Um, or like just sort by like best plays, worst plays, and just like go through and watch the all 22 on them. And sometimes I'll get just like a little high at night and start flipping on the best plays. And I've like a few guys and he's one of them that's like, is one of my favorites to watch just because it's so absurd. Like I just will crack up laughing at what this guy is able to do at that size. Um, so I'm just like, I'm kind of just in awe of the guy. And if he tests like anywhere near an average offensive tackle, I think he could be a first rounder. Like I, it, just because of uh, the, the one thing that like really sold me, and this is going to sound dumb. And I, a lot of the things in scouting like sound dumb when you say them out loud, but he was when he was on the side sideline um, at the senior bowl, because he played one day and then he was on the sideline. He's calling out the moves that the defensive ends were going to do to the other tackles. And he was getting it right. He's like, wow. And then the guys, and so he was like, so that to me is like, that's like student of the game. That's stuff that, yeah, maybe it sounds a little hokey, a little like, so what? But that, especially on the offensive line, having that, you know, sense abilities is pretty important. I just looked up Giannis wingspan. Now I'm like, does that what does that compare to like NBA players? Um, <laughs> let's see, twelve. I think Giannis seven. has like 13 inch hands, right? Yeah, so that's probably. So like he's in a different planet. Giannis, it looks like it's close. No, it's about the same. It's almost the same. Wow, oh, wow. that's crazy. As provided, yeah. I did my inches to feet conversion right. Um, okay. A lot of thoughts about Dewan Jones. I'd love to see Kalijah Cansey versus Dewan Jones because just <laughs> get under him. And guys do get you under like him. I, I do want to say that because of the size. Yeah. That is something that happens. Um, I, I haven't quite decided where I fall on both him and Johnson at Ohio State. I, I've been kind of – because it's just watching a lot of C.J. Stroud trying to kind of pay attention to them as well, but I haven't like really zeroed in on them individually. Um, but um, – it's it's fascinating. You mentioned Orlando Brown. I think that's in the same way that Josh Allen is a name we're going to hear a million times with Anthony Richardson. I think Orlando Brown is the one that we will hear often associated with Jones because he's the only human who um, is similar to him. I, 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 so for those who have forgotten, Orlando Brown famously had one of, if not the worst combine performances in NFL history and turned out to be fine. He's a good NFL yeah. player. So do you think that like that has changed perceptions about maybe combine performance with these offensive tackles in particular, like a supersized tackle like Jones? I think the latter, like it's, it's kind of specific. It's kind of like a spectrum of, you know, when you're undersized, the testing better be up here. It better be at the top of the, the dash line. This as far as when the size goes down, the, the testing doesn't necessarily have to, or when the size goes up, excuse me, when you get bigger, 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 
this testing doesn't necessarily have to match. So you can get by to a degree uh, with not being as fleet of foot. And you have to kind of know how to get by though. Like Orlando Brown, he didn't lose in college. Like that was why he was yeah. a first rounder pretty much every mock draft you saw until they come. And so it was just people. And a lot of that was like, people were questioning because he didn't prepare for the combine was the other thing. And he came out and said that himself, which was like, Oh, the guys, I didn't prepare for the combine. <laughs> that's worse worrisome. than, yeah. than like being bad. Yeah. It's like failing the marijuana yeah, no. test. Like nobody cares if you smoke marijuana, but that you were like, you didn't pay attention to the test. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. But, but you can get by at his size if you know how to work around kind of the athletic deficiencies and kind of what I spoke to about that, that at Senior Bowl, like he's very good at that. He knows I need to get my hands on guys right away. I'm not just going to go try to find them out in space. I need to reduce that space hmm. as quickly as possible. And he's very good at it. And he didn't lose a lot on tape at Ohio State. When he does lose, it's kind of ugly. <laughs> like he, he'll have some reps where he just like is a toppling mess. But top the high end reps are awesome. And he's going to keep give you just this massive pocket more often than not that a lot of, you know, play callers will take that trade off of this huge pocket yeah. versus maybe some real ugly losses that, you know, get your quarterback in trouble, but you're going to have these, you know, this ability to step up into windows more often than not. Brown, I mean, he was bad at a lot of things. Um, one of them was like, I, he, he, the, he benched, like it was very bad, right? If I remember, is it hard? Yeah. Stupid question. I don't lift weights. It must be hard when you have really long arms to lift weights. Right? Um, yeah, there's just... like a, a, a very direct correlation between back okay. press and arm length. Yeah, uh, there you so go. He, so it's his numbers. That's the long way I have to brown go. numbers in front of me. Yeah. He did 14 right. reps on the bench. <laughs> 14 reps on the bench. don't bench anymore, Nine... right? Like, they just don't do it, right? It's, it's not, like, optimal for, like, yeah. chest muscle uh, stimulation, right? It's, like, not the optimal <laughs> exercise. So a lot of guys in weight rooms aren't putting that up, putting up a bar. They're using dumbbells or cables or whatnot. Hmm. Well, Juan Jones, I'm excited to see. I hope I just, I'm excited to see him just walking around <laughs> candid, like in street clothes. Um, like a uh, falalele, falalele last year. I was constantly looking yeah. for. <laughs> I, I will be curious. Jones wore exclusively sunglasses when he wasn't on the field. If he rocks sunglasses at the podium, <laughs> I think we can lock in the first round grade right now. I think we can put him there. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving me these names. They were super fun to watch. Um, and I'm super excited to see how they all do. Give you guys some listeners some names to pay attention to this week. Mike, where can our Mina Kimes show listeners check you out? You can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike and go get a PFF draft guide if you are a draft fan, even if you're not. Eh, you probably should only do it if you're our draft fan. But uh, 100 players are in it right now, 150 coming after the combine, and 250 by draft day. All the PFF stats, it's it's, it's cool resource. I'm biased because I make it, but it's cool resource. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mina. 